Our scripture reading for this morning will come from 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, and I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. So that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Who are your people? If I was to ask you to name them for me, would, they come, would those names come from your family? Are your people... Your co-workers, teammates, classmates, buddies, fraternity, or squad? What is your identity is basically what I'm asking. How do you see yourself? Have you ever been a part of a, a guild or a union, a club or a social organization? It's only natural. To seek out those with similar interests or career paths. I can remember uh, playing a sport basically for the first time as a college student in Nebraska at York College. It was soccer. And what I was thrilled about with soccer, I have big feet, was that I got to use my feet. And it didn't really matter how tall I was. What mattered was endurance. I really didn't know how to play that well, but I played aggressively. <laughs> and it was introduced into my life at the age of 18 and stayed with me for years afterwards, even becoming a, a soccer coach for community sports here in Buena Vista when we first moved here. But one of the things that I remember, uh, 10 to 14 years, the span there after, having left college from 84 to 88 in Alamosa, Colorado, was finding a, a group of Guatemalans playing soccer in the park. And I guess I just kind of insinuated myself onto them, began to play along beside them. And talk about height not mattering. I was the tallest guy on the field, or pretty close to it. But I played with those men long enough to get over just the shoves and the and the pushes 
to where there was a camaraderie there, even though we didn't speak the same language, or at least not very well. They were working out at the mushroom farm there in Alamosa. And this is a group that uh, there was enough of them out there on the field that we had two full teams playing. They got to where they accepted me to the point that they asked me to come play in Pueblo on the weekend with them as they did, I guess, some club activities. I'm not quite sure. There was only one problem with that. It was on Sunday, and I was a preacher. <laughs> and so I had, I had to say, no, I, I can't play soccer on Sunday. I'm a preacher. It's also where I got my nose broke playing soccer with the Guadis, uh, trying to head the ball, and a fella came up underneath me. I got the ball, and he got my nose with his top of his head. So I ran over to the, the side, got it to my rearview mirror of the old travel all that I I drove and snapped my nose back into place and went back to playing some more. Now, were the Guatemalans my people? I did identify with them. I did enjoy the sport that they enjoyed, and we had some good camaraderie. Very good. It's a whole lot easier to stay in shape when you're playing soccer at altitude. But were they my people? We can have connections with those who are not so wholesome that may share our interests but perhaps even can get to the point where those are not legit. Uh, there's an old country western song that says, I've got friends in low places. <laughs> Paul says it simply in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It does matter who your people are, doesn't it? And you can identify if your aspirations are not very high with people that may not be the best influences for you. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 23, talking about God's people during this time, your rulers are rebels and companions of thieves. Everyone loves a bribe and chases after rewards. They do not defend the orphan, nor does the widow's plea come before them. I think that passage is very interesting in light of what James defines as pure religion in James chapter 1 and verse 27. Pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their affliction and to keep one's self unspotted from the world. On the marquee, I have this. A sense of belonging is good. Beloved by God is better. Where are our priorities? Do we simply want to please those that were around at the time? Do I seek to please men or God? Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, If I seek to please men, I am no longer a servant of God. This passage that Peter is using now here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It may seem a bit familiar to you, especially if you know your Old Testament minor prophets. It's taken from the first chapter of Hosea. 
Hosea was a prophet that was trying to call God's people back to the Father. They have wandered away from him. And he is just prior to the Assyrian captivity. He prophesies alongside or during the same time period as Amos and Isaiah and Micah. But God gave a unique life test to Hosea. He had Hosea marry a prostitute, and her name was Gomer. And they have three children. Two of them are mentioned in this passage. You say, I don't remember seeing their children mentioned in what Peter has to say. Just give me a minute here. They have three children. The first one's name is Jezreel. The second one's name is Laruhamah. And the third one's name is Loami. And their names have dual meanings. For instance, in Jezreel, it means God scatters or God sows. And you say, well, that sounds like the same thing. And in a sense, the imagery could be the same. But in the preaching of Hosea, what God was saying to his people is either I can plant you or I will disperse you. God scatters or God sows. Similarly, the second child's name, Laruhamah, lo means no or not. Ruhamah means mercy. Depending upon how they behave, they could either have God's mercy or not have God's mercy. Lo-ami, we say, I got the first part of that. That means no or not something. Ami means my people, which is the title of this lesson. You turn yourself back to me and you become my people. You refuse to follow what my prophets are telling you by way of repenting. And it's lo-ami, not my people. The proverb writer says in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. God always wanted his children to follow his lead. There, 700 years before the time of Christ, through the prophets, specifically during this time period of Amos, Hosea, Isaiah, and Micah, God was calling his people back to him. What do we know from history? They didn't listen. Not only did the northern tribes to whom these prophets ministered and taught, not only did they go off into Assyrian captivity, a hundred years later, the remaining tribes went off into Babylonian captivity. Here's another passage from Isaiah, one of those prophets during that time period that is reminiscent of what we've already studied here in First Peter about the cornerstone, the rock on which we are to be constructed or built, but if rejected. This is from Isaiah chapter 8, beginning with verse 13. It is the Lord of hosts whom you should regard as holy. And he shall be your fear, and he shall be your dread. Then he shall become a sanctuary. But to both the houses of Israel, 
a stone to strike and a rock to stumble over, and a snare and a trap for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over them. Then they will fall and be broken. They will even be snared and caught. Isn't it remarkable how God's message is the same centuries later for the New Testament church? Build upon Christ and it's a firm foundation along with the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Reject him and you'll have a mighty fall. What was it the proverb writer said? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Now the question that we're having this morning is, who are your people? Peter is encouraging the Christians to understand that what they have is graciousness given by God. Even when Christ walked the earth just a few decades earlier from what Peter's writing here, he said of God's people as he roamed the streets of Jerusalem in Mark chapter 11 and verse 17, and he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a robber's den. You remember him cleansing the temple? You know what's sad? History repeats itself, and generally it's negative, because we don't learn from history. Nations rise and fall. It has been through the ages, you say, but that's because nations, even ones who once honored God quite often, begin to drift away and fall from him. Cease to follow his instructions and lose the mercy that God would bestow upon them. Having gone from my people, Ami, to Lo Ami. Having received mercy, Ruhamah, to Lo Ruhamah. And instead of being planted, the nation is scattered. Notice how similarly. The thought is between what Christ said and what Isaiah said. If you would but follow God in Isaiah, his house would be a sanctuary for you. Well, they weren't following God, and instead of God's, God's house had become a den of thieves. Think again about what's written on the marquee. A sense of belonging is good. Beloved by God is better. Paul writes in Galatians 3 and verse 26, For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. But you are all one in Christ Jesus. Who are your people? God's family. Is our people. Turn with me to hymn number 608. 608.
has saved us and made us His own. Now we're part of the family that's on its way home. And sometimes we laugh together, sometimes we cry. Sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family. When a brother meets sorrow, we all feel his grief. When he's passed through the valley, we all feel relief. Together in sunshine, together in rain, together in victory, through His precious name. And sometimes we laugh together, sometimes we cry, sometimes we share together heartaches and sighs. Sometimes we dream together of how it will be when we all get to heaven, God's family. There's nothing like being family in the name of Christ, is there? Who are your people? Are you possessed? Well, you normally think of possession as having belonged to an attribute of Satan, someone being demon-possessed, a work of demons. But here, what Peter is saying is that we are God's possession, possessed by God. The beautiful thing about God is he never seeks to overpower us, to do us harm, or to do others harm through us. His desire is not to manipulate or to control, but to enlighten and to save. Peter will say later on in his second letter, chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slack or slow about his promises, as some men count slowness. But is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What Peter is offering for us here in these few verses that we've read this morning is a homecoming. To draw out an understanding that it's God's mercy that calls us to become his people. Now, as we looked in the Old Testament in Hosea, we understand that it was God's own, just as they were still doing during the time of Christ, 
who had walked away from him, that God was calling back to him. And he was saying, you have ceased to be my people. You no longer have my mercy. I am going to scatter you. And sadly, those prophecies came true. But in the New Testament now, as Peter references these, as we saw in Jesus' example of cleansing the temple, God's DNA people have rejected him again. So who is it that is responding to the gospel? Well, there are those, a few of the Jews, who are coming back to God. But this is even a broader sense of those who were not my people have become my people. So that even in Hosea's prophecies, the seeds of the gospel were being spoken. Paul records it for us this way in Romans chapter 9, using the same passage. But notice the emphasis upon the Gentiles being now given the opportunity to become the people of God. This is from Romans 9, beginning with verse 23. And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call those who were not my people, my people. And her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. What's your nationality? It doesn't matter. What's your focus and your conversion? By faith, we have been given the opportunity to become children of God. Each and every one of us can go from lo ruhamah, lo ami, to having received mercy and becoming God's people. They're called family reunions, not people reunions. Once had a fellow that would get up before the congregation and he'd say, you people? <laughs> Can you imagine a father sitting down at the table, having around the table his children, possibly even grandchildren, and then addressing them as you people? That's not how God works, is it? Who are your people? Christians have a wonderful, such a wonderful fellowship a congregation, in fact, a family. The church is composed. It's not accidental that we refer to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen again to the marquee. A sense of belonging is good. Beloved by God is better. How often do we cheat ourselves of the blessings that God has stored for us by being his children? And instead... We turn to material things. We focus upon what men want us to do. We join ourselves to clubs or activities or groups of people that are not good for us. Remember, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. We've talked about being straying pilgrims. This world is not our home. That God's words matter and that Father knows best. 
How that we are, after having become babes in Christ, to grow in Him, to make those early transitions. That we are always under construction, being built up on Christ as the cornerstone, the apostles and prophets as the foundation, so that we might be a house of God, a sanctuary God would have us to have if we would but walk in righteousness. The beauty of what Peter says toward the end of what we read this morning is that when we accept God's mercy and walk as his children, we may ultimately have the last say amongst those who have refused God. Look at these words again. Verse 12, 1 Peter chapter 2. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, Glorify God in the day of visitation. Whoa, how do we get from a Gentile who is antagonistic toward me as a Christian to being happy to see Christ when he comes and returns? What Peter is hinting at is that we, if we'll just keep our behavior in the paths of righteousness, will be ultimately, of course, saved ourselves but have opportunity to influence even those who are resistant to the gospel to good. So that as they speak evil of us now, they might be converted in the long run and actually glory along beside us, ceasing to be our adversary, becoming our brother or sister in Christ, welcoming him on his return. I have these words from commentator Matthew Henry. It is the common lot of the best Christians to be evil spoken of by wicked men. Yet, those that are under God's gracious visitation immediately change their opinion of good people, glorifying God and commending those whom before they railed at as evildoers. It's called conversion for a reason. Being born again into the household of God. Jezreel, God scatters or God sows. Laruhamah, God will have mercy or not. Lo ami, my people or not my people. Who are your people? A sense of belonging is good. Beloved by God is better.